Welcome to Lead from the Driver's Seat with Al Rattan. With over 30 years in leadership, Al is ready to share his struggles and successes to help you change your mindset and become the leader you want to be. Learn what it takes to be a successful leader and hear from other entrepreneurs as they share their leadership journeys. It's time for you to lead your team or organization to their full potential. Let's get started. Here is your host, Al Rattan. Hi, welcome everybody to the uh, the podcast. And Al's back from his travels in Paris last week. Yes, so it is the uh, the joint podcast, the leading from the driver's mm-hmm. seat with Al Rattan and maximize your potential with myself, Chris Baker. Welcome back, Al. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, it was a, a great trip. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. And I know life's changing actually in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out more from you on uh, uh, another day and maybe we talk more about it next week but this week this week we've got a, a guest the first guest on our joint podcast very um, delighted to uh, to introduce paul o'leary paul and i've known each other for gosh 12 years now um, yeah. and gosh, and and yet paul's never been on a podcast before he's asked several times and we've never got together but this time we wanted to get together and um paul wants to talk about the role of leadership in a changing landscape and how it's less about metrics and more about a focus on pastoral care and team coaching. And it's a subject that fascinates me and uh, Paul knows I'm interested in this. So Paul, welcome. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, Al. Thank you as well for allowing me to be on here today. Cool. To Paul, just give us like a, uh, a sort of a 30 <clears throat> second intro into uh, who you are and what you've done and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into the, the subject. Sure. Thank you. Um, as you said, Chris, you and I have known each other for about God, 12 years. Time flies. Um, yeah. As as for ours benefit, of course, you can tell I am um, I'm not from these parts. Um, but uh, but no, I, I was raised in Britain and I've had uh, various um, careers in, in finance. And then I had a long career in, in marketing for a large, actually the largest sports association in the country, leading lots of different teams. Um, I've had a, a small career at Disney and, um, you know, it's obviously having the larger, um, you know, company perspective and then uh, also currently i'm uh, the vp of operations for a, a media company with uh, five brands across the united states in different cities uh, also equally diverse as well so lots of experience in leading different people yeah and i see you uh, hopping on planes all over the country and, uh... <laughs> yes um, always going somewhere um, every weekend i feel like i'm going somewhere Cool. So, okay. then, you get the, then you get airline status. Though, right? <clears throat> right. I have, I have, I'm very, very highly um, welcomed on on Delta. There to be you honest. go. So, um, I'm treated very well when I fly Delta. <laughs> so thank you, though. Good, good, good. So, Paul, tell us about this topic. What? Why is it um, important to you? What do you want to share? And uh, and and we, Al and I, will just sort of chip in as you as you go along, and uh, maybe ask more questions and and take it from yeah. there. Well, hopefully, we have something to add. I'm, I'm sure both uh, both uh, of you chaps with such great experience and, and worldly knowledge will have something to add to it. I think uh, one of the things in our sort of post-pandemic world that, that all of us are realizing is that the role of leadership has changed um, and that these days, um, you know, the world has changed. We're all trying to scramble to make sure that we're being as effective leaders as possible um, and making sure that in this changing landscape, um, we have to change with it and ensure that we're leading our teams to get the best results we want mm-hmm. as well at the same time having some personal growth and understanding more about ourselves along the way um, and for me one of the biggest 
um, kind of highlights on the post-pandemic world for me is that um, managing people is different in the, you know, we all see the media headlines about, uh, you know, oh, there's job vacancies, nobody wants to work. And when I think it's it's different to that, I think the priorities have changed in that the workforce today looks at the work week, they look at money and the economy and the system differently. So um, you can't change that. None of us can change that on this call. And I mm-hmm. think that one of the ways to work with that is to look at the way we lead our teams who are part of that generational shift um, and basically see, in my opinion, I think the focus is less on metrics and, and results and driving forward and more about pastoral care and coaching the team to be better individuals, better workers, and to, you know, basically bring them up with you along that journey. Yeah. Where do you like, and I have a, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we hear about the great resignation and disengaged employees and, and, uh, and, and one study I read uh, a while back and now Chris and I mentioned it on an earlier podcast, but it was actually a LinkedIn study that um, they quoted a Harvard business review study actually, or some the other way around that about 92% or something, or 82% of employees said they would stay with their current company if they're, if their employer actually invested in them and helped them with their personal growth and development. And, and I guess, you know, when, when do you see, when did you see this shift take place? When did this change happen from people? I think, I think, I think this is now the way we are in this society. So I think even before the pandemic, this was bubbling under the surface. And I think that we've had a, a generational shift in, in just in values, um, not good, not bad, nothing, you know, it's more just a change. And I think the world is a lot more open, a lot more connected. Obviously, we're in a, right now we're all in different parts of the world, all having this great discussion um, through the use of technology. I mean, social media has changed perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think now people have, you know, the information superhighway they used to was the buzzword of the 90s that we all had. And now we have that in the palm of our hand and we spend our time looking at cat videos on YouTube. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, we all do. Um, <clears throat> my personal favorite is not cat videos. I enjoy watching ones with uh, where they restore pieces of equipment and tooling, and which is always, I get these uh, raised eyebrows for that but i think that with that knowledge and power also comes that shift in in the way that the world and the society is changing uh people are more tolerant in some ways of different behaviors in the past and changes and you know and that they than they would have been before but i think the other thing is they're they're almost less tolerant of longer working hours they they see you know they now are more empowered with that knowledge to understand why i mean if you look at the the fire movement which i'm sure you're both familiar with where people you know um, basically, you know, work as hard as they can and then retire early. Um, yeah. And there's some great bloggers out there that you can follow. One of my favorites is a, is a guy called Jay Money, who actually is one you should both check out if you don't. Um, subscribe to him for years. He sold his blog and now he's bought it back. And I'm so excited because um, his his perspective on money is different from what is traditional. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the you have a more diverse, you know, working crowd today than it ever was before. And I think it was this was all in the build-up to the pandemic. I think the pandemic was that great kind of shift where people stopped, took stock and realized that, you know, maybe I don't like my job. Maybe I do like my job, but I'm not happy with my boss. Um, And we all know the saying that people don't leave jobs, they leave leaders. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think those, um, and I was with exit interviews, exactly what you were just bringing up, Al, that if the the company invested in me, I would stay. And I think my question that I always ask um, during that process is um, what could I have done different 
not the company, as a leader, what can I have done different? Yeah. And yeah. usually the response is always, you've been great to me, but I know that you've gone to bat for me and you've battled with the company for mm -hmm. X, Y, you know, whatever resources or training or, um, and I, I do think at least in my experience in the last few years, there's almost been a, a shift of, you know, we go back to the eighties and nineties of those corporate training exercises and, you know, days away and, there's none of that anymore. Uh, now the you know development and employee development has shifted to this e-learning approach where you sit in front of a computer for four hours and do there's something no, and say no engagement. There's no, there's no engagement. No, it's it's a yeah. checkbox exercise. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I think I got that, it off my list. So now they can leave. Right. They'll stop bugging me about it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's where that's almost a complete disconnect to what this generation is looking for. They're looking for people to be transparent, to be honest. They're looking for them to go ahead and, you know, work with them and say, listen, this is the bad feedback that I have for you. This is how you can grow from that, you know? And I think, and I think we saw that the, this whole shift to working from home that was forced upon so many during the pandemic that many people are saying, I do not want to go back to that office environment, mm -hmm. right? Or I only want to go back, you know, two or three days a week and mm -hmm. be able to have the flexibility to work from home and the freedom. And that, I think that gave people a taste of it. I'm just, you know, like just totally off topic, but just think of the, the massive amount of office space that's going to be available yes. on town, major centers <clears> in <throat> North America, around the world, where people are not <clears throat> going to be returning to the office to work. It, it already is, Al. I mean, I, 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 I was um, discussing that with somebody, uh, one of my team uh, in a, in a one-on-one -on -one yesterday and saying about how I've, I've been to different areas around Disney, see, you know, working with different teams, collaborating. And I, I walk in and there's an office and there's like maybe half a dozen people in an office that would, that would house a hundred. Right? right. And, and you look yeah. at all these and you think, wow, what a <laughs> lot of wasted space. Right. And, you know, again, part of it is the uh, is the, the the sort of the hybrid workforce, but part of it is that again, I think post pandemic, a lot of people didn't end up coming back, whether it was their choice or the company's choice, yeah. right? And they're trying to run run leaner. But what they're they're doing, to Paul's point, is they're not. You know, most companies, I would say, are not caring for their people in terms of developing them. So it's yeah. a very short sighted viewpoint right because you're not thinking 5 10 15 20 years down the line you're thinking well i can save like maybe 10 50 dollars this year by not doing training right but yep. richard yeah. branson said right you know it well if, if uh or, or someone said to i think it was richard branson they'd said well, why do you want to spend all that money on training just for people to leave and he said well what if i don't spend it on training and they stay and they stay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> You know, it's 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 interesting, and I, I again, I had the conversation. I'm I'm involved in a a program where we're we're trying to develop a leadership training program for for like my division within Disney at the moment. And one of the things we were talking about today is that we're going to design a deck as to go in front of the executives, to, and and that we, we were told, well, they're going to ask us why do we want to do this rather than the standard courses. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in line of what Paul was saying, I said, well, the standard courses you do a course online, right? And you get a, a checkbox on your D-Learn to say that you've done it. So it goes on your 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 um, your um record card and right. then you never do anything with it again. Exactly. All right. So what, what we want to do is like, Al, like the, the course we're designing for your company in Canada is is we, we want to teach them, but then we want to take it and we want to immerse them in that, 
right so that so that they're living it so i said we we you know we're going to we're going to teach it they're going to live it and then they're going to lead it and that's yeah. how we'll develop other people exactly and and actually i i i like that because <clears throat> for me one of the at least personal sort of soul searching things during the the post pandemic world that i've had is that trying to understand my impact in the world on not just how I behave, what I do, what I say. And I think those, I mean, I know, Chris, in some of your previous, you know, podcasts that you've done and shows, I've, you've talked about a lot of this. It's, it's not often what you say, but how you say it. Right. And I think that there's that discussion, particularly with, with teams. I mean, right now I have an amazing team of rock star people. We've had to go through um, a transition at the moment uh, with some cost cutting and budget changes, and each one of them has taken it very well. And the reason they have the feedback I've asked is I have been completely transparent to the point as much as I can be from you know the board above. Right. And that transparency and open communication of me calling them and saying, do you have any questions? Um, and, and, and being honest and saying, well, this is how this works. I wish I could share this with you, but I can't, but I can explain it to you on the telephone or yeah. just that complete this is where we're going this is the roadmap versus the sort of smoke and mirrors mystery of the workforce of old well that's beyond your pay grade don't worry about it i think when you when you give people that transparency and they see behind the curtain um so the wizard of oz reference they see the man behind the curtain when they realize that um they they tend to engage and respect you more as a leader but also you end up getting a better worker who sees the vision um it's very easy for companies to say i mean chris i know that you know a certain company in orlando is very you know stay with us stay with us and uh, and you don't have any informational transparency and i think that that's one of the dangers um in leading a team today is that they want to know so they know if they can personally buy into it it's not just about yeah. i'm yeah. passionate about this company this brand this product so i'm going to stick with it it's more than that they they want to feel their personal identity as part of it or on the flip side, it is a, you know, we, we don't live to work, we work to live, I come, I do my job, I do an amazing job the best I can during my time, and that's it. You don't have almost, I don't, I don't want to say this abusive relationship that you have with, with teams years ago, where people are, well, it's expected of you to stay in the office long hours, it's expected to you, right. to, mm -hmm. you know, can you, can you just call me and can you work on this on the weekend, you know, that stuff is gone. If you do that now, you lose people. Well, exactly. Yeah. I remember back, like at my first, my first a store as an assistant manager with a big box retailer up here in Canada. I was 21 years old. I walked into the manager's office. I was promoted from the district by the district manager and sent to this store. And I walk in, I say, hi, uh, I'm Al. I'm your new associate manager. And his, the first words out of his mouth were, I work seven days a week. And so do you. And that was, <laughs> that was expected. That was expected. And I was 21 and naive and, you know, and yeah. so and, you did it. And, and I did it exactly because this is this is what you did it to get yeah. ahead of this company back in the day and and you can't you can't do that no. now I wouldn't do it like I don't care who you are uh, that was and I and I do think it's funny because what you just said I mean I've been at you know in in those situations too where you're working seven days a week for 30, 40 days straight 10, 12 hours a day and ultimately what happens the results are maybe marginally higher than they would be if you only worked five days a week eight hours. But the impact on you personally in and not and, and professionally, not just your personal life, but professional life is you're burnt out, unproductive, disgruntled. And, right. you know, it's almost a, a, a behavior you have to unlearn. I mean, I've talked to former, you know, co-workers, um, you know, in the last couple of years and they've said to me, 
you know, we all sort of had Stockholm syndrome in this role, or we all, you know, and it's interesting, you have to almost understand some form of psychology and some form of almost like mental health coaching to, to understand your body's reaction to that. And it was almost a trauma response. You know, people say, well, I have to go to the office because if I'm not there, nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've worked with people like that who, if they're not there at sunrise and they're not staying until 9 p.m., seven days a week, it's like the place doesn't first function out, with them. Yeah, first you in, know. last out type of mentality. Exactly. Right? If you want to get ahead, that's what I need to do. But that's just not accepted standards anymore. Can I, you know, okay, folks, we're on, we're on, we see each other while we're recording this podcast. I want to share, uh, I want to share, I wanted, I saw this, uh, sorry guys, I'm trying to pull up this image here. See if I can share it with you guys. So I actually just saw this just before we uh, hopped on. So those of you that can't see it, it's actually a graphic that uh, Leadership Management International shared. So one in five employees is at risk of burnout due to low, low employee and leadership engagement. Mm -hmm. 190 billion is stress-related burnout may cause a healthcare cost of 190 billion a year in US. And then here's another statistic similar to the one I talked about. 93% of workers would stay at the company longer if the organization invested in their careers. And I think, Paul, with your whole thing about care and coaching and what we wanted to talk about tonight, I mm -hmm. think that ties this ties in well yeah. with the topic we're <clears> on. And I just wanted to pull that up and share that real quick with you. All. I mean, I, th I think that's perfectly topical. And one of the other uh, items I've been preaching a lot, particularly when you're having this, you know, okay, you're managing down with the team that, you know, your direct reports, mm -hmm. but you also have to manage up as well. I mean, managing up is always this, you know, fun term that everybody likes. So what does it really mean? I think in this situation, you have a team of dynamic, diverse, passionate individuals that are very, very sensitive to change, very, you know, the nuances of the workplace that it's unfamiliar to them. And they are wanting to do a good job. If you lead them correctly, they'll, they'll, perform how you want them to but you as that leader you know everybody reports to somebody even if it's your own company you're reporting to some of the irs you know yeah. but i think that uh, ultimately you know you have to manage up as well because when you are, are being called before you know your leader your boss your board whatever mm -hmm. it is and they're saying to you well why is this person not performing and and you're not going to sit there and say well you know their dog was this you know run over their aunt just died you know because that's that doesn't matter that's irrelevant to them but you have to manage up and say they're doing the best they can right now under the circumstances and i think that there's a big huge amount of shift in you know, in the world today with, um, it was going on before the pandemic as well in, in terms of like openness about mental health, depression, you know, yeah. anxiety, you know, yeah. medication. Uh, and I'm somebody, I'm very open about it. You know, I'm medicated. I've, I've had therapy. Um, and I always remember once actually during a therapy session and it was work. This was actually interesting related to what you just shared on that graphic. I've very clearly remember being there in the therapist room therapist is sitting there they're on this thing they're always on this chaise lounge you're always sitting there like you know talking about your childhood or whatever but um <laughs> my phone was ringing and the phone was ringing and he said you can, do you need to answer that i said well i i want to and he said well who is it and that's his work and he said that hasn't stopped ringing i said now you know why I'm, I'm talking to her <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and i think that's yeah. that's the human cost of poor leadership right. is the human right. cost of the old working way and and i think that you know, the managing up, you have to, to those, you know, beyond you, you have to basically make sure you're crafting the narrative that they understand in words and language they understand versus just saying, well, they're just different. You know, I think it has to be, no, these are productive workers. They're amazing. And, you know, this is, I'm managing the way that I know to get the most out of them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, th I think in, in general, people want to know that you care, right? And they want to know that you listen listen to them. Um, and and very often they don't even necessarily want you to do anything. It's just, <laughs> yes. let, let me be heard, right? And that's the same with customer relations, right? Customer service, Al, you'll know that, Paul, you'll know that, I know that. You know, a customer, they sometimes they just want to rant. And when you let them rant, they go, okay, thanks very much. And they're off. <laughs> yeah, right? so you didn't true. do anything. <laughs> and I think this is one of the things that, that we all know, right? And we agree on that's why we're here talking about it. That these, these are not skills that leaders are taught, unfortunately. Right. And this, this is the, yeah, the, the, the soft skills, people skills, it's, it's just how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that it's a generational thing. I, I do agree with Paul that the, the, the Gen Z's, the millennials, they, they, they want to be aligned with a company that, that has got values. Right. And that's important to them. It's the social um, responsibility end of things. They're, they're absolutely important to them. Yeah. Right. But I, I think everybody, you know, I mean, I'm not a millennial Gen Z quite, but I still want to know that my leaders care for me. And if they if they don't or I, um, you know, I, I get the sense that I'm not cared for, I I don't necessarily perform at the same level. Right? Well, I'm going so, to be honest with you. I'm OK. I'm Gen X. Right. I'm Gen X. And I brought I brought up work hard. Right. Work hard. Earn your living and show up and do your job well. And. And it's tough for me sometimes dealing with some of the younger folks who may not necessarily have the same priorities that I have been used to <laughs> through the years. It's a challenge. And, and, and actually, I think that's what this is all about, right? It's basically about how do you, knowing that, and it's almost recognizing your your style and mm -hmm. how that doesn't gel with their style, but how to bridge that gap. Uh, right. I mean, to me... Right. There's so many different ways that you can you can bridge that gap, and most of it really comes down to communication. If you ever ask, I, I had this discussion with um, with somebody. Actually, I was on a plane last week, <clears throat> and this next to me was an empty seat, which is, these days with travel doesn't usually happen. Um, and to the seat at the window was actually this 19 year old young man who was very, which this blew me away. He sat down and said, "Hi, my name is Ethan." Shook my hand, uh, and it shocked me because that just doesn't happen. And it it sort of piqued my interest, and we got talking. And he had lots of questions for me. You know, what do you do? Do you mind me asking this? No, I'm the open book. Talk to me. And I said, you know what, what's nice? I said, you will go far in life. And he said, why? I said, because you sat down, shook my hand and talked to me. Mm -hmm. I said, you didn't put your headphones on. You didn't sit there. And I think that those things are very rare. Right. But if you don't have that, then you have to have a way of getting the most out of that person of whatever right. that role they're in. Um, yeah. But I, one of the questions he did ask me, which I thought was really intriguing, and I was going to, I actually made a note of it to discuss this today was, when do you ask for help? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you know, I'm in my career. His desire was to work in fashion in Milan. That's what he told me because that's what my lifelong guy, I'd love to do it. Uh, what do you think? And my advice to him was very sort of almost traditional. I said, look, I've worked with lots of young people. Um, whatever school you go to is irrelevant. doesn't matter. I said, you need to go to school, but it doesn't matter which one you do. Go to one that's the most economical for you. Um, and my other piece of advice was, if that's your passion, you need to find a way to working in that world, to networking, get business cards made, you know, the traditional advice of go right. hang out where these people hang out, go chat with them, network, go join these events, clubs, organizations all this advice. And he's like, okay. And he goes, well, how do you know when, when to ask for help? And I said, well, it's a good question because I've had lots of younger people say to me, well, I can do it all. And I said, you can't do everything yourself. It right. takes a village as the old saying is. And yeah. I think, right. you know, when working with these people, if they don't know, because they were brought up to be independent, headstrong, you know, go-getters, I am going to be the greatest on earth. Um, you have to almost 
bring them down a peg, but not in a negative way, but in a in a way that shows that listen, you know, all of us are in the same boat together. We're not getting out alive, um, and the way to work is to work together as a team, and mm-hmm. you know, and support each other. And I think I think that's yeah. that's great. I, I mean, so when when do you ask for help, Chris? When when do you ask for help? I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, as I've gotten older and I've realized and I've understood, I used to nod, smile, and nod and pretend I knew what everybody was talking about. I just now I just go, hey, uh, excuse me a minute, uh, I don't understand, right? So I've gotten pretty good at asking for help <laughs> as I've gotten older because I, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. Yeah. What, Chris? When 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 is the right time to ask for help? What do you think? I think it, I think you should be constantly asking for it personally. I think it's it's um, you know one of the the things that I've been working on the last uh, last I guess five or six years is really you know making sure that that I that I ask for input all the time. Right, mm-hmm. so that it's it's not again as a as a leader particularly it's not about me. Right, it's about we and the team, mm-hmm. and and I I look at like the teams I'm leading now. I don't do their job every day. So it would be wrong of me to make decisions about what they do without consulting them. So I constantly ask them, like, you know, what's going on? What ideas have you got? <clears throat> what what's working? What's not working? What what are some of those things that you that you look at and you go, why do we do this, right? Or why don't we do this? And share it, right? So effectively, that's asking for help, right? All all the time because um, we don't know it all, and the, the best people to advisors are those that are doing it. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's keeping keeping those lines, keeping the lines of communication open. Because I can tell you, I've done a lot of workshops with companies this year, and seriously, it doesn't matter where I am. The number mm-hmm. one issue is communication. Yep, exactly. every time, communication. And yeah. and actually, what you just said, Chris, is exactly how I've approached at least the last few roles that I've been in. Whenever I've come into new teams who don't know me, um, obviously, you have to build trust, and I always. Yep. My first thing I say is, in terms of trust, everybody starts here for me, unless you prove otherwise. I said, everybody gets equal standing um, until you change my mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so so I will trust you implicitly unless you change that. Mm -hmm. The next thing I always do is I say, I'd like to schedule one-on-one with you where you just show me what you do every day. And the first thing they think because of old world leadership is, oh, God, my job's on the line. Yeah, And I, I reassure them straight away, no, no, this is not. This is actually so I can help you. Mm-hmm. I'd like to understand every facet of what you do. And from an operations perspective, I can offer advice or, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Um, and every single time it's been the most successful thing because, A, they feel validated and heard, like Chris was saying, where as you're doing it, you find those things that they won't bring to your attention. Oh, well, I hate the system. It's the worst thing on earth, but we, it's just what we use. And my question is always, why? What would you prefer? And they go, oh, this is this is amazing piece of software that everybody else uses that I'd love. It's $3 a month more than we pay. And I'm like, well, why aren't we using it then? So those are the feedbacks that if you ask for feedback, you do not get. Right. Um, you know. Yeah. So I think when you... When you go through that and you sort of live a day in their lives, um, you learn more. Not only do you learn more about the job they do, it means you're you're a better leader because, to your point, Chris, when you have to make decisions, and I've had these a lot in the past few months, um, and I say to the team, this is going to affect you. Um, what do you think? And they say, well, it's really your call. And I said, well, I know that, but I want to understand your perspective because that's the value to me is if you're not happy, then we have to find another way. If you're happy and you think it's going to work or you have other solutions, I think it's fine. Um, but it's it's the engaging them in that process. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not manipulative. It's actually a very open and honest communication. You know? Yeah, 100%. And, I, I, you know, I, I have um, 
I call it the input equation. We haven't got time to go through it now. But basically, if you ask for input, they take ownership and responsibility and therefore they'll have pride and satisfaction in what they do. And guess what? The results will be and better. More engaged. So yeah. we look back to the, the topic of this, Paul, as you say, I, I don't focus on results, even though I'm probably measured on results. I don't focus <laughs> on results. I focus on the behaviors and the action yep. that if you get those right, the results will come. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it all comes back to, to one thing. Right. And now we've talked about it time and time again. It comes back to people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we need to care for our people. We need to care for ourselves as well. Right. Because you, you can't you, you can't be one way yourself and and uh, and and be different to your people. Right. Mm -hmm. The same. The same. Right. So that that would be that would be my thing. And Paul, I think it's been a, a, a great topic, a great, great subject. We've gone. 28 minutes so we knew Honestly, we, we, we could knew easily we go another half hour on because this. i'm amazing sure. and paul we would love to have you back if you can i'd be glad to time. it would it would be fantastic and i thank you for for coming today and adding value to us with your insight and your wisdom it, it's been great to get to know you chris and yeah. paul go back many years paul uh paul and i go back about 32 minutes so, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good 32 minutes it's been a great 32 minutes a great okay, 32 paul, minutes i'll let you wrap it up uh, paul thank you very much uh, it's been a pleasure having you here chris you want to wrap things up for us yeah we normally give people a task don't we Al, to, to think do. about at the end paul, of this you, yeah what would what would be a task you would give our listeners something that they could work on personally to help them develop in this area of maybe coaching or engaging with their teams and you know, or caring for their teams in a, in a greater way my number one um, task to give to people is to spend the next week in your role analyzing what you do how you say it and see how the reaction is and really analyze what you are saying to your team and how they react to it because how their reaction will tell you whether you're handling it the right way or not i think if you learn to pause and maybe say or act a different way uh, i mean nobody's perfect i'm not i think that's a, a thing to improve and to learn from and understand even if you don't take steps to make it better to understand your process amazing Excellent. yeah i love that again it's the it's the feelings right people people mm -hmm. don't uh, they won't remember what you say it's it's how you make them it. feel right mm -hmm. so that's uh that, that's a great piece of advice so yeah people do that and then again follow us on social media let us know what you think um ask mm -hmm. questions if there's something you want us to cover um we, we'd be happy to do that and yeah uh, paul i'll echo al's sentiment we definitely love to have you back on the the podcast in the future and wish you well in everything you do and uh, and keep keep going on this journey because you, you you're doing it the right way for sure Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have an amazing week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Lead from the Driver's Seat with Al Rutan. Al would love to hear from you. Reach out anytime at www.alrutan.com or hello at alrutan.com.